This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 255. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Josh. And uh, yes, Josh has not been on the podcast for quite some time, but he's here subbing for yeah, both... five steps. episodes. Oh, that's true, because I forgot you were on episode 250, yeah. But outside of that celebration episode, it's been a little bit of time that we've had you on for just a normal episode. Josh is here subbing for both Ed and Steph, and no fault of their own ed had some stuff to come up with work that he was unable to come and steph was out of town and didn't have a good option when it came to recording so josh was able to join me and good thing he's here because otherwise this would have been maybe the shortest episode we've had in a couple years because it would have just been me so it it still might be yeah, it, it might. It probably will be still the shortest episode we've had in a long time. This is episode 255, and we are covering the weeks of July 29th through August 11th. We have two books as usual to cover, Batman and Detective Comics, and we have really one piece of news, and that's only because, as you know, August is notoriously very slow on news, and it has to do with two reasons. One, an excess of news always comes out at San Diego Comic-Con, and that news happens in the episode right before this, and it's the dog days of summer, so it's not just comic news that's slow. Every news everywhere, entertainment-wise, is slow. It's just that time of year. So let's dive into the one piece of news we do have. So on August 1st, the Batman Day giveaways were announced. Now, if you're not familiar with Batman Day, because you're newer to comics or newer to Batman every year for the last, I think this is the fourth year and that they've been doing this since the 75th anniversary of Batman, which was four years ago. There has been a day in the year. Sometimes it's been in May. Other times it's been in September, but most of the times in September, there is a day where they specifically have a special Batman issue that you can go and pick up at your local comic shop. And they encourage local comic shops to give discounts on Batman-related items. Some other retailers out there who specifically create Batman merchandise, they also run discounts. I know Barnes & Nobles has, has been involved in the past. But basically, it's kind of like Free Comic Book Day on a much smaller scale, focusing on Batman. Last year, Batman Day was conveniently themed around Harley Quinn because obviously Harley Quinn is a very popular <laughs> character this year. However, it is back to focusing on Batman day and there's going to actually be two issues that will be available at select comic shops. I mean, honestly, any comic shop can be included, but I would definitely 
find out ahead of time if they are because they do have to order these issues. And if they don't, then you won't be able to pick them up. But I imagine that a good chunk of them will. I know my local comic shop has them. But the first one is Batman White Knight, Batman Day 2018, number one special edition. Now, this is actually a reprint of Batman White Knight number one. It just has a special cover specifically for the Batman Day it's literally the exact same thing as issue number one. It's just a reprint. And then the other one that's available because that was actually going to be the only one available that was announced previously. But then they also announced that there's going to be something for younger readers as well. Uh, Dustin Wen's Batman Little Gotham number one will be available as well. This is a reprint of an issue that came out, whew, I think, almost about four years ago. It was a small mini series. I think it lasted about six to eight issues. But this is the first one, and it specifically has to do with the month of October and Halloween, conveniently, because, you know, if Batman Days in September, it's right around the corner. As in the years past, they also have a number of masks that will be available. Again, your comic shop has to order these. So if you're really hoping for a free mask, I guess you really have to ask your comic shop to get you a free mask. But they're just paper masks that you that you know that you just put on front of your face it's not anything you know the super unique they also will have a ton of other stuff online there's always a giant digital comic sale um when it's batman day where basically anything that's batman related goes on sale not i shouldn't say everything but or anything but a good majority of the batman stuff a lot of the most more recent stuff is going to be on sale but like anything that's older than six months you can almost count on being 99 cents per issue. But yeah, that's what you can expect on September 15th when it is Batman Day at your local comic shop. Yeah, uh, Little Gotham, good choice. I wish that they were doing more with that, uh, truth be told, because I I, I miss those things. I I do too, and I wish there was more. And the, the next thing we can look forward to is the young DC Zoom series, which is going to feature the same style of Batman Little Gotham but have the Batman characters tell us fairy tales using Batman characters. That'll be fun. Yeah, they gave us um, at the DC Press Breakfast last month at uh, San Diego, they gave us samplers for DC Zoom. And then uh, what was the other one that was for like people who are a little older? It's like DC, DC Inc. DC Inc. And I was flipping through those and they were actually really interesting. So, Yeah, I, I really think that that is going to be a super successful thing for DC. And I'm looking forward to a couple of those different series just because they'll give me more things to read for my children because it feels like ever since there hasn't been any DC animated shows on the air currently, we don't have any of the animated tie-in series like we did for Batman Brave and the Bold or Beware the Batman or Young Justice. And that's truly unfortunate because that limits what you can have for your children outside of the Scooby-Doo and Looney Tunes stuff that, you know, continues to release every single month. So I think that you're blacking out uh, one DC animated show that's still on the air. I think I am blacking out. What is it? <laughs> I was seeing if you get, I'm going to give you another clue that the, the, they just released a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, into yes. the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Years ago when that show first came on, I not a fan whatsoever. And I have a, Great, great disdain for modern cartoons in general. And that is a perfect example of a modern cartoon, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so the, the plus side is that my son at the time was very mimic. I'm going to mimic everything that my dad likes and also said he didn't like it. So we've never really watched that show. 
I mean, we we plan on watching the movie once it releases on DVD. Not we're not going to go to the theater for it, but we plan on watching it because there's supposed to be some really good jokes out, you know, that are better than the actual TV show. But I've seen it twice. It's it is it is funny, but like there is like a straight sixty seconds of poop jokes at one point that like yeah. I was like, okay, I'm, 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 this is clearly for seven year olds, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I always do forget, and that that that, sh- that series does have a tie-in comic that I I do know about because every once you know there's an issue that comes out at least once a month, and it's always part of Greater Gotham. And I don't know why I didn't think about it, but it is there, and yeah, uh, and it, yeah. it's it airs all the time, and it like does. I mean, not not to get too off topic with this news item about Batman Day, but you know, just uh, Teen Titans Go is one of those shows that like 10 years ago I would have totally hated it but now I'm at the point in my fandom where uh, I won't take this seriously and I could laugh at some of the stuff but like the, I saw an episode where Dick Grayson disguises as a cat like where's like I a cat because yep. he wants Starfire he wants to get to Starfire and he, he thinks Starfire will love him if he's a cat and and I was thinking, this is the lowest point that Dick Grayson's ever reached, and he's been violated twice yes. in, in in the comics. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be very careful what I say here because but uh, dressing as a cat to gain the affection of Starfire is is really out there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's like a really low point for the character. But then it's, this movie it's hard happened. to believe that you probably have seen like maybe like just less than ten episodes, and I'm talking like ten total of the 12 minute episodes so maybe like five half hours of this show there's and just I, like how i've seen that episode there's just random points where like they'll do something on the show and i'll be thinking like this is funny but like wolfman and perez like must be rolling over in their graves and they're still alive yeah but uh, that being said this show is probably giving them like a lot of money and royalty checks because of starfire and and cyborg yeah all right. So anyway, that is literally the only news that has released in the last two weeks. There isn't really even any like rumors of anything because it's that time of the year where there's nothing. Um, that's the other reason why I thought this was going to be the shortest episode ever, because I mean, just in the last episode, we talked about everything San Diego and we almost spent an hour talking about all the news and the solicitations and all of that. And now here we are in the next episode. And there's nothing. So yeah, that's that. So we're going to dive into our comic reviews, and the very first one we've got is Batman number 52. Batman number 52, written by Tom King, art by Lee Weeks. The jury leader summarizes three points condemning Mr. Freeze for the murder of the three women. One, lowered brain temperature leading to the death of all the three victims. Two, Freeze broke probation by arming himself with a suit and a gun. Three, Freeze confessed to the police while Batman was not present. The other members of the jury frustrated at Bruce, who can afford to lose money, wasting all of their time. Bruce agrees with the three facts, but wants to put them in context. He asks for a few hours, and if he can't change their minds, he'll change his vote. In a flashback, we see Batman swinging out from a building as he chases the fleeing armed Freeze. Another jury member starts with the method of death, and Bruce says that Freeze's life is at stake, so it's not a waste of time. Bruce pushes on why the police missed the cause of death. Another jury member says that it's because he's Batman, and he's better. Bruce presents another case. Someone tried to frame Freeze by altering the bodies between the police's first examination and Batman's examination. He argues that everything relies on the assumption that Batman is super competent. 
Batman begins to examine the second fact. Freeze, armed with a suit and gun, violating his probation. Freeze's explanation that he was afraid of Batman. The jury believes that only a guilty man fears Batman, but Bruce pokes at that. Another assumption. Bruce argues that the suit and gun could equally be defense as guilt and an equal chance of it isn't beyond a reasonable doubt. Finally, Bruce gets the confession. Another juror anticipates his objection, saying that he confessed for days that he killed the women without Batman being present. Bruce draws a parallel between the fear that he felt when his parents were murdered, fear that stayed with him after the event, and the fear Freeze feels about Batman. The juror who spoke up against him stands up and points out angrily that all of Bruce's objections only work if you're assuming that Batman is wrong, bad, incompetent, horrible, out of control, and not a hero. She challenges to him to prove that. And Bruce says that he can. Okay, so this issue continues the jury story that we saw in the last issue. And it'll continue into 53. And then it's just a quick three-issue story arc. Again, we can see even more inspiration from the classic 12 Angry Men. Those of you who haven't seen it and you like movies, I suggest you watch it. I own it. I've watched it multiple times. It's a great movie. Anybody who likes law movies or watches shows like law and order or you know different law dramas and things like that watch 12 angry men it's a good movie um that being said it seems as if bruce is doing one of two things he seems as if he's either trying to discredit batman because he realizes that he went too far as batman or he realizes that he i don't know that he feels guilty about what's happening i don't know what's your take on why bruce is discrediting batman in every which way because i i i think and i'm not going to pretend to be super clever for like this interpretation because i think that it's all there like you know in in the text you know like they don't say one plus one equals two but they show you the number one the number one and you're able to deduce that that equals two which is that bruce was not operating on his a-game because you know he got mad that the new york times spoiled that he wasn't marrying selena kyle so he's angry. He's on the edge. New York Times. It was it. Was it the New York Times? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was. But I'm just okay. Saying. Okay. Yeah, if it yeah, wasn't yeah. for them, none of this yeah. would happen. If it wasn't for them, then Mister Freeze would, would you Still know be out of jail. Yeah. So so maybe it's a good thing that that story was spoiled. Freeze would be killing people right now. Uh, so he made an assumption. He he was sloppy, and he yes, Mister Freeze is a bad guy. Yes, Mister Freeze kills people, but. He probably didn't do this crime. And Batman's like, you know, I scared him. I was too brutal on him. And I forced him into a confession that, you know, he probably didn't do this thing. And even though Mr. Freeze belongs in jail, Batman does believe in justice, you know. So he wants it done. I mean, and he, he's still going to jail anyway. He broke um, uh, probation. They mentioned that. So that's what I feel is happening. He's trying to right or wrong and as batman there's nothing he can do because it's in the justice system's hand now so as bruce wayne he's in the jury doing what he can to change it that's uh th- that's what i feel is happening from reading this issue i did have people call these shower thoughts where which are like you know thoughts that you have later on while you're like taking a shower going for a walk or something which is wait a minute how did bruce wayne even get on this jury like wouldn't uh like, have you ever been on jury duty before, Dustin? I have not. I've never even been summoned. So, I mean, I, I'm not an expert on the process, but I know that, like, you know, there's a point where during jury selection, 
where the prosecutor and the defense counsel will like review the jurors and if oh, they yeah. think if they think that you're biased you're kicked off of the jury if you have like you know anything to do with for example if dc com if dan didio was being sued or something and you and i were on the jury we'd be kicked off of the jury where it's like oh no because you guys have been like you know reviewing yeah, you his have books. made comments about him in the yeah. past or whatever yeah you interviewed him yeah and i was like wait a second like batman inc that's like that 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 still happened like because that's one of the things that survived like even though rebirth has brought a lot of stuff back in the continuity let's pretend that like we're still operating under new 52 rules um batman inc is one of the things that survived flashpoint so that kind of carried over like a year or two into flashpoint so like as far as the general public knows bruce wayne still funded batman for like years at a time so i'm like this is a very big conflict of interest right here. <laughs> How is this allowed? And then I shrugged it off saying, oh, yeah, this is Gotham. Gotham is corrupt. Gotham has a corrupt, you know, police and justice system. So <laughs> I guess Bruce is allowed on the jury. But like <laughs> I, and I tweeted Tom King about that. And he basically like like said, oh, very good question. Wait and see. Yeah. So we, we kind of talked. I mean, obviously, you weren't here on the last episode. We kind of talked about that on the last episode. And I can and I and I will chime in with you in saying. In a million years, this would never happen. I mean, like, here's the thing. There are certain certain things. It's not just about, you know, a one side or the other deciding, you know, I'm going to strike this uh, juror from the jury pool and, you know, move on to the next one. It's there are specific questions that they ask, like, up front, like, have you ever been attacked by a villain in Gotham City? If you have, you're probably going to be biased. Have you ever supported a vigilante in his crime on justice or his, you know, his crusade for justice. Uh, okay. You have, okay. You are biased. We cannot have you on this jury. That's what would happen. It's not even like, you know, the prosecutor and the defending attorney actually have the opportunity to sit there and be like, um, you, I'm going to strike you from the jury because you don't seem like you're a very nice person and you could be too judgmental of what this person did. Like, it's not even about that. It's literally straight bias and there's no, real reason why he should be on this this jury but anyway and, and uh, someone brought up too that if we're going by the new 52 origin mr freeze used to work for bruce wayne so it's like <laughs> yeah yeah especially that yeah <laughs> this is like major conflict of interest but i guess it would be hard to find a juror in gotham city who hasn't like had a run-in with batman in like one way shape or form like because batman's like saved the entire city from like nuclear missiles so like everyone's gonna have an opinion by him but the guy who gave him money and the guy who like the defendant like worked for that's a <laughs> that's a pretty tall drink right there yeah the only way it could be explained is if somehow he made he somehow got himself on this jury that's the only way that it would make sense and he was but just trying to did, write his wrong to as batman but even if he did like purposely get on, he would have had to have commit perjury to go on, which yeah, you know, oh, I, yeah. Ge- I, I guess is the least of his. Like, do you remember there was a guy? Go- it was it was one of the Batman um, Adventures books, like because I know that it had like six different titles. It was like Gotham Adventures, Batman Adventures, Batman and Robin Adventures. Do you remember the one where Bruce does like go on to jury duty? I cannot say I remember it off the top of my head, but it's so, been a long time since I've read those. So he's doing a case like he's being like and you see the jury selection and they say like to him, Bruce Wayne, you know, like, 
is there anything that would make you prejudiced like on this case? And he says, yes, there is. I am Batman. And the rest of the jury and the judge like laugh at him because they think he's just being goofy Bruce Wayne. And they're like, okay, Mr. Wayne, you know, like, you know, like, please take this seriously. And it's a framing sequence. And you see him like he's telling like, I think Barbara and Tim and Dick like about his day. And they're like, you told the jury. And like Bruce says, as if he's Adam West, he's like, I had to. I was under oath. I couldn't commit perjury. Yeah. <laughs> but the, Tom King's Bruce Wayne, he'll commit perjury all day long. <laughs> That's right. But I mean, when you're left at the altar, you'll you, you'll you'll commit perjury. You know, you'll you'll do lots of things. Yeah, Bruce you, is going your moral right compass now. will go in a completely different direction once you get stood up at the altar. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So the other thing I want to talk about is the art because we don't talk about art very much, and I have to say, like Lee Weeks' art is not something that would typically be something that would I would appreciate, but. Ever since the Batman Elmer Fudd special last year, which also had Tom King teaming with Lee Weeks, I've actually appreciated his art a lot. And I think that the colorist, Elizabeth uh, Brightweiser, I believe is how you pronounce it, she does an amazing job of accenting his work that I didn't see in the Elmer Fudd special because I don't remember I don't believe she was she was the colorist for that issue but hit, but the, those two co- combined like they do some really great work and I believe that Brightweiser is one of those colorists that I think is flying under the radar and is really really good and just the idea of like a, a lot of the flashbacks that they're showing like the colors and the, the the way the colors are shown in some of those flashback scenes is really really great and as, I, I don't know that I would want this type of art, uh, Lee Weeks, that is. I don't know that I'd want his type of art for a extended, long time, you know, like 12-issue story arc or something like that. But I think in small doses, it, it it's completely fine. I'm not going to get tired of it. And I think it works perfectly in the nature of what they're trying to accomplish here with, like, kind of giving homage to 12 Angry Men. I think it works very well. So what do you think of the art? I like it. I thought that it helped tell, I mean, and I know this is a cliche thing to say, but it helped tell the story, like, you know, in an interesting way. And like one example is it was very cinematic how as Bruce is like telling the jury, you see like him really, really beating up freeze and Batman beats up people all the time. So like, you know, that's not anything too shocking, but the way that this was drawn and how like the panels were kind of like closing in and you see like the blood flying, like it was done in a way to show you like, Batman is really unhinged and he was able to like give you that sense with just the art like you know we didn't just have you know like Alfred like saying oh man Bruce you're acting crazy or Bruce having a thought balloon I went too far this time like we're able to get what we need to from the story with that art and some art you can't really do that with and some artists they don't communicate as well but this perfectly complements the story and enhances it I feel. Yeah, definitely agree. Okay, so this is the midpoint. We're going to have one more issue of this story arc before this, and the next issue will be the wrap-up point for the story. So be on the lookout for Batman 53. As you're listening to this, it's actually already out, so just check it out. All right, so Batman number 52, I'm going to give three and a half out of five. I think I'm going to give it a four out of five. This is a nice, different Batman story with uh, good art, you know, Aside from the fact that Bruce Wayne should not be on a jury, there's a lot of things that Bruce Wayne does that he's not supposed to do. You know, and this is 
I thought that we were just going to get kind of like filler after the wedding. So this, this is nice. This is something different. And you could show Bruce Wayne's reaction to like, you know, to getting dumped by the New York times newspaper at the altar. Like you can show his reaction in many different ways. This was not a way that I was expecting. This was a different and uh, unique way. All right. And then over on the site, Ian gave it three out of five. So that's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five bad ranks. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 986, written by Brian Hill, art by Felipe Brionis. The issue starts off at Gotham News Network, where the colleague of the murdered news anchor from the last issue says, where is Batman? The deadline karma set to blow up the kidnapped school children is in two hours. Batman must act now to save the children. Bruce, while getting his call ready, tells Alfred to put the signal breaker online. He says those parents must know Batman is out there and that he is trying to save their kids. At once, Batman turns on this protocol, and all the media screens in the entire city limits of Gotham display the bat signal. At the penthouse, Jefferson asks Barbara to get Cassandra so that they can make a plan to save the kids. Barbara states that Cassandra has already left under her orders. She tells him that with Duke still recovering from injuries, they need to help Bruce. He reiterates that he is in charge, and she cannot break the rules at whim just because she disagrees. Tells her to stay in the penthouse while he suits up to provide support to Bruce and Cassandra. Cassandra enters the church where the kidnapped children are and immediately runs into Bruce. Instead of uh, telling her that she shouldn't be there, he debriefs her on the situation. Karma has a bomb rigged to the children. He blocked all wireless transmissions in the area in case Karma has a remote detonator. Bruce needs her to save the children while he goes after Karma. His last advice to Cassandra is follow the light. Cassandra drops into the room where the children are, and she immediately removes her at, her mask to reassure the children that everything will be okay. Bruce runs into Karma and addresses him by his real name, Fleet Delmar. He warns that Delmar should have stayed in Markovia. Delmar responds he wants Bruce to see all the suffering he caused. He removes his mask and his real and, and reveals his defigured, disfigured, scarred face. He tells Bruce. The bats took out his eyes, the gas took his mind, and Bruce took his life. After this declaration, he attacks Bruce with his sword. Cassandra looks at the bomb and is unnerved because she does not know how to defuse the bomb. She repeats what Batman said, follow the light, but is unsure which light on the bomb to follow. She understands that if she cuts any wires, the bomb will explode. and If she frees any of the children, the bomb will also explode. Jefferson calmly tells her that he will contain the blast, she must move swiftly to free the children. She cuts all the ropes off the children and hurriedly leads them to safety. All the while, Jefferson is doing his best to control the explosion with his powers. He recognizes that he cannot contain the blast much longer and calls for Bruce to evacuate. During this entire time, Bruce is being brutally beaten by Delmar. While Bruce is trying to get his breath after being beaten to his knees, Delmar taunts that he was planning to kill all the children, but now he's going to keep Cassandra to himself because he sees that rage is inside of her. Bruce, thinking many racing thoughts at once, distracts Delmar and plunges a battering into his shoulder. Delmar amusingly questions if that, if, if that was his best plan, just to stab him. When Batman activates a thruster on the battering, sending Delmar far away from the church. Back at the cave, 
Bruce warns Cassandra and Barbara when Jefferson speaks, he speaks for me. Barbara storms off in disagreement. Cassandra tells Jefferson to let her leave, and Bruce comments that her anger will subside soon. As Bruce leaves the huddle, Jefferson tells him that twice now, Delmar has defeated him head-on. Bruce responds that he has learned what skills he needs to beat his adversary, and he knows that the right teacher for the situation is Katana. All right, so that's the issue. So I got a couple different points. First up, let's discuss the ending with the introduction of Katana. Now, as we have been talking over the last couple episodes, there is definitely a surefire bet that we're going to be getting an Outsider series. I would not doubt if we actually hear a if uh, Outsider series get announced by the end of this month, maybe even by the next time we see the or you hear us talking on the next episode of the Outsider series, because with this this series wrapping up by the end of August, I believe it's let's see three four. Yep, it'll be over by the end of August, and when it's over in August. Will know what's happening, and there will be the perfect time to post solicitations for an outsider series. Do we need an outsider series? I don't know. There's honestly a lot of team books going on right now, but then again, I think that Brian Hill could do an amazing job with an outsider series. But I say this and bring this all up again because this series, this book, this issue introduces yet another classic member of the outsiders, which is Katana. Uh, generally speaking, I consider the three core members outside of Batman of the Outsiders to be Black Lightning, Metamorpho, and Katana. I know there's been a number of other members as part of the team, and there's other characters you could include as part of the Outsiders. But I feel like those three are like the surefire ones to include. But so Katana shows up, and I'm guessing the reason she's there is because she's going to teach Batman how to fight without thinking about fighting. Um, that's the only explanation I can get because it's the only way that he's going to be able to beat this karma is by not thinking about his fighting moves before because that's why karma's beating him is because he knows what moves he's going to do because Batman's thinking about them before he does. So my only guess is that's why Katana's there is to teach him some sort of method of fighting without thinking is the only thing I can come up with. Um, thoughts on Katana? Well, I'm I'm trying to cloud my thoughts so that way karma doesn't, you know, yeah. predict them before. I don't even know how that works. Like that thing that Bruce did where he's like, oh, your thoughts are all jumbled. He's like, that's so I can do this. It's like, but wouldn't you still be thinking about doing that thing that you did yeah. to him? Yeah, it's, I, I could see what you mean about the Outsider series. And DC is very, very much like follow the leader when it comes to their other media stuff. So I'm wondering, like, we are going to get this Young Justice season three. And that's, you know, getting a lot of play right now. Like, there's a lot of people in Spain that. And the theme of that is going to be Outsiders. And it's going to include, you know, the Outsiders team. And we also have, you know, Black Lightning, you know, on the CW network now, too. So I'm wondering if this is kind of meant to tie into that. Like, the, the you know, they're having Black Lightning look as much like his TV counterpart as possible. Interestingly enough, Tony Isabella, the creator of Black Lightning, which that's that's his name on Twitter. Tony Isabella, creator of Black Lightning. That's how he has his name. Yeah. He is not happy like that, like uh, the rumors that they're going to do another Outsider series. He says he doesn't want Jefferson to be a sidekick again. And then he says that the rumors are that Nightwing's going to lead the series. So this was actually really mean to Nightwing. He says not only is Jefferson going to be a sidekick, but he's going to be a sidekick to a sidekick, not even to Batman. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> like. 
<laughs> Tony Isabella should know better. Don't, don't be but so mean to the, Well, the interesting thing about that is I don't really feel – I think they've made it extremely clear in these last couple issues of Detective Comics that Black Lightning does not want – he understands that Batman is, like, coming up with the team, but he has said multiple times, like, if you want me in charge of these people or you want me helping these people, meaning, like, Duke and Barbara and Cassandra, then I got to do it my way. You're, you cannot be telling me to do it your way. And he's, he's the teacher. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I, I don't see that portrayal of, of Jefferson at this point. I feel like if anything, Batman will be, it'll be similar to the way we saw the Justice League of America series earlier this year, where Batman's there, but the team fully functions on its own. And then if Batman's not there, it still functions. I feel like that's, what's going to happen. And honestly, the way, Although I've heard rumors about the Titans series not pleasing some people, although you know you never know, because suddenly Titans is going to be going to twice per month in September, which was out of the ordinary because it's never been twice per month. And the rumor is that they're it's going twice per month so they can blow through the issues as quick as possible so they can end the series because they don't like the direction that the series has gone. <laughs> Why are you putting out more issues if you I want to know. end the series? I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it's just because there's so many issues already done. They're already like in the can, so that way they can just get yeah, through it quicker. But, and but I mean, like, I that guess that doesn't sound like a business strategy anyone would do, though. If you're because uh, because you're going to be accepting losing money comics, printing these. accepting comics, that would be literally the only industry I could see. I think, not as a good thing, but it's something that it would be done. I think that that sounds a little tinfoil hatty, though, because like it's it. I don't know. It's like. It, if you want to cancel a series, you're going to cancel it. Unless the issues were already, like, drawn and inked, then, like, yeah. But otherwise, like, th- these things cost – you have to pay the writer. You have to pay the artist, the inker. You got to, like, distribution. Like, it, I think the it, problem is that the series is too linked to this new Justice stuff. And with the Scott Snyder series, with Scott Snyder heading those books, I don't know that they wanted it to be like, mm-hmm. well – we're just going to give up on this book right after we postponed it for two months and then brought it back. And then we canceled it after a couple of months. I mean, like who knows what will happen? I mean, like, honestly, if you've been reading Titans, I'd love to hear anybody's thoughts on it. The yeah, Titans series. I dropped it a year ago. I mean, like I've been, I keep up with all this stuff that we, we cover on the website because I have to, because I edit a lot of the articles and the reviews and stuff that, get published on the site. So I, I know what's going on in these books, but like Titans is not, it does not seem like it's going in a direction that is going to be a good addition. Like basically if you, okay, so let me just put it this way. If you haven't been paying attention to Titans, so the, the old Titans at, at the beginning of rebirth, Titans rebranded itself, had it, a lot of the classic members as part of the team. They focused on a couple of the, the you know, the actual members like Nightwing, Donna Troy. Let's see who else did they have. They had Garth. Yeah, Beast Boy. They had no, 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 Beast, 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 yeah. no Garth, the, the other Garth, not, not Garfield, but Garth, Garth Aqua, like Tempest. Aqua, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. And, uh, I know, I know Roy Harper was there. It's, it's supposed to be the original five. And then, like, uh, I know Bumblebee and Mal showed yeah, up. Yeah, Wally like, West for showed arc. up too. And well, 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 the whole that was the pilot of the series was like Wally West, like, showing up, like, hey guys, remember me. And then, yeah, and then they had to figure out why they couldn't remember him. And then it had to do with. Uh, Mr. Twister and the key all being involved. But anyway, the whole point was the team ended up disbanding and then they were told that they needed to reform the team by the justice league. 
And Nightwing was going to be the leader, which, I mean, he was already the leader before, but they were going to reform the team. And it was going to be a team. Nightwing, the way it was pitched, at least this is the way I remember from that special that came out in June, was that Nightwing is in charge of this team and they're going to go deal with the stuff that's too small for the Justice League to deal with, meaning they're going to deal with like the street level stuff that has, you know, that deals with metahumans. So like if you read July's issue or no, uh, yeah, July. No, I think it already did come out. If you read the late, the latest issue, if you're listening to this, you know, what I'm talking about the latest issue. Cause I don't have the number in front of me. If you read the latest issue, they, you have to go deal with a guy who is sitting at a park. Turns out he has some sort of metahuman ability. The guy happens to be a fantasy novel writer who has the ability to make his uh, uh, ideas come like come into real reality. <laughs> I've seen two movies about that. <laughs> yeah. So There's like that one, like Will Ferrell movie where like he, he's in a book and he's going to die. And then the Adam Sandler movie where every bedtime story he tells yeah. comes true. <laughs> yeah. So those are, so, so he, he thinks it, it comes to life. And then there's all these fantasy creatures that are all over the place. And the Titans have to take out these creatures, but then they realize, Oh, it's actually this guy who's, who's thinking about this stuff. And then they have to come up with a way to like, not neutralize him because he's not doing it on purpose, but like deal with the fallout from this situation, which is kind of interesting. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, this is really what we have. This is what Titans has become. Like, let's go deal with this random metahuman that doesn't know how to control their powers. That's what we're, that's what the Titans are all about now. I mean, like, <sighs> I mean, I, I was reading it. I like I read the Lazarus contract time, but it was like they had to figure out who the spy was on their team in one issue. And then like they were there was some monkeying around with Donna Troy's origin again. And then like Wally West hooked up with Donna Troy, which was like really weird because he still remembers like Linda as his wife. And he knows he, and like he has kids that are like missing from the timeline he's like oh man you know linda just wants to go out on casual dates with me but i remember being married oh i need to do something faster so he hooks up with donna which was like weird but uh yeah the series was weird but i mean it's taken a different direction since the new justice league with scott Snyder. uh no i believe it's the same i think it's still dan abnett I mean, I'll, I'll skim it because I like the Yeah, go ahead. Story. Skim it. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, don't worry. You're not missing out on anything. But, yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's that. Yeah. Um, but um, I doubt that Nightwing is going to be leading this new Outsiders team because, like, if this little arc is a backdoor pilot for Outsiders, Nightwing has even has not even shown up yet. Yeah. It's like I don't see Nightwing being in that team no matter what. Like, if Titans disbands again in less than two years, if it disbands again, I don't see – Nightwing being anywhere except in Nightwing. I mean, yeah. like Nightwing's also going back to twice per month in September, so I can't see him needing to show up somewhere else. I mean, like, I'm not saying he can't. I mean, like, there's no reason he can't be in Titans, but I believe that Titans seems to be a little bit more in, interesting than it currently is. Meanwhile, Teen Titans, I know there's some people who have not liked the new direction Teen Titans have gone, and I've actually thought it's been pretty good, but that's another story for another day. Anyway, back to the Outsiders. I, yeah, agreed. I cannot see Nightwing leading this team. I honestly think that if anything happens, it's going to be like Batman just like shooting over a mission and then Black Lightning leading the team. That's the way I feel it's going to happen. And like 
or it'll be like it won't be like he's the leader, but Katana and him are like co-captains of the team or something like that. And they and can then have maybe Sandra Kane and Duke. Yeah, and they are a part of the team. And maybe maybe Barbara takes the role of you know the tech person who doesn't actually go out with them, but you know does she'll, the oracle she'll clash with Jefferson like she does here because she's because yeah. we don't have a Birds of Prey book right now, so yeah. uh, that she would... can pop up somewhere else too and. We can get the uh, Oracle stuff without her giving up the Batgirl stuff. So. And, and I could almost see the pitch meeting for that because, like, they're like, okay, Black Lightning, it's a show on the CW. Let's give him his own book. And then DiDio or somebody or, like, and this is a little conspiracy theory, like, might say, oh, I don't know if he has the numbers for his own book. Okay, well, what if what if he's on a team book? Yeah, yeah, let, let's do that instead. So I could still see that. And I think yeah. that – it wasn't that long ago there was a Black Lightning miniseries. I think it was like six issues. I want to say it was like a year ago, but I, I didn't read it, so I don't really know um, what the outcome. But I know that a year ago they were trying a bunch of different miniseries, and, and a lot of them weren't really connecting with the numbers that anybody would want. So that might have been what happened. But, yes, the team book, especially with some Bat characters that also have a following as well as you know some other characters that are not use like honestly katana on suicide squad to me makes no sense i mean obviously they did it initially because it was tying in the the movie movie, which i I mean like they never really did a really great job of explaining why she was there on that team anyway other than just flag wanted her but her being on this team not on suicide squad no problem there i don't honestly i can't remember i know she's been in suicide squad but it has not she's not been a bigger character on suicide squad. So there's, I don't see any reason why they couldn't bring her onto this team and just have her not as part of suicide squad. But yeah, so there's I that mean, Harley Quinn is on suicide squad and she's having her own adventures like That's in her true. own book. So yeah, and it's not and anywhere near out that it does not make any sense. Yeah. Cause like, you're not allowed to like leave task force S to like have a civilian life. Yeah, and uh, Harley has not only had a civilian life, but she also uh, right or well, it's it's done now. But she was on Apocalypse for the last three issues. So the thing is, yeah. So basically, it comes down to probably not uh, whatever the whole the Harley Quinn series in general has not really connected to other stuff, and it's supposed to start coming back to the normal timeline of things in the next couple of issues. We'll see what happens. So the other thing I want to talk about is, well, it's, it's kind of this thing where, it, well, I guess it kind of deals with what uh, Katana is coming in the scene for, but like, there's this point in the issue where the bad guy karma takes his mask off and he's like, see what you see, what you did to me. Look, the, the bats got my eyes and the gas got my brain and, and you killed my life. And like, he's complaining about this stuff, but he has the mask off. But Batman's just standing there. And I have a problem with this because in the the last issue, it was explained that the mask is there or he wears the helmet and the mask because that gives him the ability to read the minds. So why wouldn't Batman have attacked at that very moment? Now, I did go back and make sure that I saw this correctly. And basically, it's a helmet that where the front piece comes off and he takes the front piece off to show his scarred up face. But to me, it just comes across as... That front piece must have to be there because why else would he be wearing that front piece if he didn't need it for the, you know, to, to read the mind? Because he's vain. He doesn't want to show anyone his, uh, <laughs> yeah, his ugly face. Yeah, I mean, obviously that could explain it, but I feel like that's a crucial part of the, you know, 
I can and, and, and also protection. If your face is like that scarred, if Batman punches it, that's really going to hurt. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the back of it. I mean, it, it's a comic book, but like maybe the back of the helmet is enough. Yeah, or I maybe mean, like, like I mean, it needs to be that in depth of an explanation. I'm just it's just one of those weird random nitpicks that I have when it comes to certain things. Similar to the way that I in the last episode, I complained about the urinal, which we have a comment from a listener who made a comment saying that I, they cannot believe of all the things that I complained about. It was the physics of ripping a urinal off the wall. But anyway, the, the, <laughs> the point is that um, I'm just saying like we all, we in, in the last two episodes that we talked about detective comics, we said that, you know, if Batman, the way Batman left this guy, it was a little bit like over the top, like should he have really, you know, dosed him with fear gas. I don't really think that was necessary. Um, I mean, and it does play into that idea that Batman does create his own villains, but it is similar in very, very similar ways to what James Heinen was doing with the first victim, which he never actually like finished that story. But the idea of the first victim was that Batman created the first victim Batman created these other characters or the characters. Oh, yeah, that this is very similar thematically. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's very similar. And that story isn't even two years old at this point. So it's one of those things where it's like, this is another character that Batman has in most ways directly and indirectly created as a threat for Gotham city, because this character wasn't even in Gotham city he was on the other side of the world of Markovia. And Batman does what he does, and then what happens? Of course, the guy comes to Gotham City to you know, try to get revenge or avenge himself when it comes to Batman. So there's that aspect of it, and I find that a little bit weird. I, I also have to say that, conveniently, this guy's from Markovia, and if again, if you've read The Outsiders for years, uh, yeah. you might know yeah. that there's Geo another Force character. Might be coming next. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. there could be another character that pops up. I was actually thinking when they first said that he was th- this whole situation with this karma guy took place first in Markovia. I was like, this guy's not going to like unmask himself and be Geoforce. That would be a little bit of an extreme, but I'm glad it's not. But <laughs> it's one of those things where I feel like they are definitely leaning towards as much hinting as they possibly can when it comes to the outsiders, the Markovia reference. Katana. I mean, like they are definitely leaning that direction. One thing that bothered me about that fight sequence too was Batman says to Cassandra, like, you know, look for the light or something like that. Like, just tell her look for Black Light. And like, I don't get why he has to talk in code because, like, is it because you don't want Karma to know that like Jefferson's coming? But he's gonna read Jefferson's mind when Jefferson comes anyway. So like, Cassandra's staring there, looking at the bomb. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what wire to pull. Like, what light? What light am I supposed to look for? And Jefferson's like, oh, he meant me. Well, why couldn't he just tell her that? Yeah, I don't know. This is the explanation for my question about why he couldn't tell her that and why Batman didn't punch him in the face when he took the mask off. Explanation, Bruce is not on his A-game because the New York Times spoiled his wedding. Yep. I mean, that could literally (laughs) be the explanation for everything. everything. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. All right, so that's all I got for this issue. So I'm going to give this three out of five. I'll give it three and a half out of five. I like the art and I like I like a Batman book that uses the supporting cast extensively. It just loses points for me because of, you know, these questions that we have. And 
Barbara Gordon basically being this subservient to Bruce Wayne, where it's like, you know, why does she got to sit here and take this? She's like, like, she doesn't work for him. She's her own person. Like, screw that. Like, she never would have done this in the 90s. All right. And over on the website, Tony gave it three. So that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three out of five batterings. Let's move into Greater Gotham. First up, August 1st, main TV books. We already talked about Batman number 52, Nightwing number 47. Nightwing and Batgirl try to get to William Cloak only to discover that he may not be the person who is really pulling all the strings. Reviewed by Adil, he gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn number 47. Harley's trip on Apocalypse comes to an end as she teams up with Petite Tina to stand up to Granny Goodness. This is by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Upstain. No secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Adventures of the Super Sons number one. On the first day of summer break, John and Damien run into a little bit of a trouble. This was by Tony. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Nine thumbs up. Justice League number five. Lex Luthor establishes himself as the biggest bad the DC Universe has to offer. This is by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Deathstroke number 34. The conflict between Deathstroke and Batman comes to a head when Slade violently infiltrates the Batcave. This is by Ian. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Secondary DC Universe books. The unexpected number three, Robin the Toy Wonder, who we also mentioned last month from Batman oh, 1, 1 million. million? Yeah. yeah, I remember him. As well as Huntress appears in the issue. Moving over to August 8th, main TV books. We already talked about Detective Comics number 986, Red Hood and the Outlaws number 25. It's Red Hood against Batman as Jason deals with the consequences of shooting Penguin. This is by Paul. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Catwoman number two. Selena confronts the army of copy Catwoman. This is by Jerry. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. No secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books. Titans number 24. The Titans face off against fictional creatures who have invaded San Francisco. This is by Paul. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Suicide Squad number 45 as Atlantis rises to the surface. Waller and Task Force X look to sink it back into the sea. This is by Bob. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, Plastic Man number three, Man Bat appears in the issue. And Superman number two, Batman makes a brief appearance alongside the Justice League. As far as trades and hardcovers from the past two weeks, we have Batman by Doug Monk and Kelly Jones, volume two, hardcover. The New Teen Titans, volume nine, trade paperback. Injustice, volume two, trade paperback. Injustice, two, volume three, hardcover. DC Superhero Girls, out of the bottle, trade paperback. Batman Beyond Volume 3, The Long Payback Trade Paperback, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Hardcover, and Batman 66 Omnibus Hardcover. That is everything that is released in the last two weeks. If we gave a thumbs up, thumbs down, neutral rating to those issues, all have a full review as well as a full synopsis of what actually occurred in the issue over on the site. So definitely check those out if you're not following those books. It's an easy way to keep up with what is going on in the books. So before we get into some other stuff, let's do our quick rundown of Patreon. So over the past month, 
We had a bunch of people jump on. So I want to shout out and give thanks to Captain DC, Ian Miller, Robert Lewis, Jay Dutton, Brian Tyler, Anthony Lowray, Real No Deuces, and Donald Townsend. Thank you for supporting us at the 10 20 and $30 levels. Those are greatly appreciated and all your support is greatly appreciated. Anybody who's supporting at the $3 level or you are currently supporting, but you're not receiving any rewards. I encourage you to head over to the Patreon and actually update your profile. So that way you can get rewards every single month, especially some of you are, who are helping out with larger amounts. You could actually earn prizes or earn entries for our prize giveaways or merchandise and things like that. So I encourage you to update your Patreon over on the site. Outside of that, if you have any desire to support us outside of Patreon, you can leave us uh, a one-time donation through PayPal. If you head over the site at the very top of the page along the menu bar, there's a spot that says show your support for TBU. Click that. There's links to Patreon. There's links to do a one-time donation on PayPal, as well as a link to our merch store. Uh, We currently have one specific logo that we have, which is the TBU logo that you see a lot on our social media accounts and things like that. We're working on getting some other designs. We have actually had some orders, so I appreciate those of you who potentially could have ordered some items. I don't know who you are because it's completely anonymous because we don't run the actual store ourselves. We just provide the designs and then you guys order your items. So thank you to anybody who has bought any items from the merch store. Outside of that, if you can't support by buying merch. You can't support by PayPal or Patreon. Consider volunteering your time. There's all kinds of stuff that we do at TBU as well, you know, as far as covering news, editing audio. I'd love to find a video editor so we can do videos, news writing, comic book reviews, all kinds of stuff that we are constantly trying to produce more content for our fans, listeners, and audience. Um, and we would love for you to volunteer your skills over at the Batman universe. So if you are inclined to do that, or you'd like to review comic books for the site or anything like that, we're literally always looking for comic book reviewers because the more, the better it's easier. You know, there's less work for everybody to, if we have more reviewers. So with that being said, if you're interested in that, shoot me an email at TBU at the Batman And we will be sure to get in contact with you to find out what the best thing for you to help out at TBU is. So with that, we're going to dive into our listener Q and A's. Boy, did you get a wrong number? Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please don't. Ah! From the last episode, we have a couple of comments. So the first one comes from Bob. He says, hey, peeps, always nice in particular to get some news updates. I heard a quick comment to the effect of, could we get black label out and in continuity and and regular imprint in? Oh, okay. I see what he says. Could we get black label out of continuity and regular print imprint in Uh, to that point? I'd like to hear some more about what we know and don't know about what black label is. I know that there are a few DC imprint things going on these days. In addition to young animal, which I have really enjoyed. There's some Yahoo being been reviewing mother panic elsewhere on the site. Wink, wink, wink. That would be Bob. I just wanted to hear a little bit more of the details if we have them what's going on with these dc imprints what their purpose is and what we can expect going forward thanks guys keep on rocking the in police state okay so here's what we know for black label black label is an imprint that initially was we were told that it was 
meant to be creator-focused series, uh, meaning it's a creator or a creative team that is doing a series that has no limitations, meaning there's no limitations on whether it's, it has to be in continuity or outside of continuity. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's limitations on what can be in continuity, but if a story if a creative team says, you know what, I've got this awesome Batman story. I want to tell, it doesn't make sense to be in continuity. It doesn't have to be in continuity underneath the DC black label. Um, the other part of it is that there's a little bit more artistic freedoms when it comes to this, meaning the books themselves can be in different formats they can. They don't have to have a set number of pages. They're mostly all no, going to release no scheduling deadlines. And exactly. No, yeah, guidelines. Exactly. So an, initially, they were saying like, you know, they don't have to come out every month. They could come out every other month. We know now, Batman Damned is going to be coming out every other month. Um, that one is going to be a larger, larger than the normal comic. It's also going to be in prestige format um with the glossy pages i don't i believe i don't know this for sure but i i'm almost positive that this is the case that those black label books are also not going to have ads in them because they're going to be more expensive uh but i don't quote me on that because i don't know that i don't have any sort of confirmation on that and i won't until you see the first dc black label but so the, the idea was like the books could be a little bit bigger. There could be more, the, the pages could be bigger, meaning they could put more in the books if they wanted to. I know at the beginning of July, DC released their typical once a week DC all access episode. And Dan DiDio was being interviewed and he actually had DC or Batman damned like the, the actual format it was being printed in. And it was just slightly bigger than a normal comic book or a normal trade. Um, so it is bigger, but that's not going to necessarily be the case for every single one of them. They're going to differ depending on whatever the creative team wants. At the DC press breakfast, they talked a little bit about that too. And they said that the thinking was, you know, they were thinking about like their most famous and successful works, which was stuff like Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, and like, you know, like all, you know, Killing Joke, like all this, like, you know, stuff in the 80s. And they realized um, that the reason. W- their interpretation of it was that like the reason why they hadn't had successes like this again were like oh the creative process for working on these like monthly books or miniseries and stuff is too restrictive so black label was basically a free for all so you can attract you know an alan moore type person or a frank miller type person and you're not going to scare them away by saying you have to do it this style or it has to tie into this like you know you can't have Alfred show up here because he's in Atlantis, you know, leading, you know, the Amazons against, you know, Darkseid's minions over in another title. Like, so do what you want. And they're hoping to basically create an environment to foster the type of storytelling that made DC so big in the 80s with those books like that. That that was what they said. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, and then it continued in some ways in the 90s with Elseworlds, but that was that was always out of continuity with that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think this, especially now knowing that three jokers is going to be within continuity, it clearly, they're not clearly putting any sort of limitation on the fact. I also feel like the other reason why DC black label is happening is because they want to get back into releasing more prestige format books, which let's be honest, the last like 10 years, they haven't really done a whole lot of those. Yeah. We had like the earth one stuff, but then like those were kind of, like, I wouldn't even consider that stuff. Yeah. But I wouldn't even consider that stuff format. 
is those Earth One stuff. Those are all hard, they all come out in hardcovers, and they're all just graphic novels. I mean, like yeah. I'm talking about like those thin prestige formats that the '90s were like best known for. Like I have a short box full of those type of books that they just they have they don't do, and there are certain series where it seems like they could have done that, but they don't. And the last, I want to say, like this goes back to during the New Fifty Two, they've done a lot of like miniseries that may or may not be in continuity. I mean, like they don't have to be in continuity because it's not jeopardizing any continuity elsewhere, but like could have worked much better if they were just in a, you know, a prestige format, two issue miniseries. It was just 48 pages an issue. So I don't know. That's that. Now you did mention in, in Bob's comment, he did mention, he asked about some of the other imprints. So what I know of the other imprints there's DC Inc. and DC Zoom. Those are basically stories that, again, are not part of continuity that specifically target a specific audience. So like DC Zoom and DC Inc. are targeting either uh, elementary kids or middle schoolers slash early high school. Like the young adult type range is what DC Inc. is. And then DC it, Zoom it is seems like stuff that you would see at a scholastic book fair. Exactly. They, they gave us samplers that had like, little preview pages of some of the stuff and not zoom what what was the one again ink. for like ink. ink okay so the ink one which is like the young adults one they there was like a Catwoman, like black and white you know like comic for like you know like kind of like middle schoolers high schoolers in there and it's like you know she was detailing like you know growing up with this abusive stepdad and it was really interesting i, I was waiting with don at the doctor who all age thing and i was like reading that and i was like and then I got to the end of the preview. I was like, oh, man, that was actually, like, really engaging. So it's just kind of like and, – and it's not, like, really like a superhero story, at least in the preview. It's just, you know, a young it's adult book. But the yeah. character just happens to be Selena Kyle. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's, and, it's like repurposing the character in a different format in some ways. I believe yeah. the one you're talking about is Catwoman Under the Moon. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was like, this is pretty good, and I know they're doing like an Oracle and Cassandra Kane one. Yeah, they um, announced those, and there's also a Dick Grayson one that's coming out. That's part of like the second wave. But there's a lot, and I mean, it, they're not actually launching any of these books until April of 2019. But I mean, like early word from a lot of thing, you know, uh, trade industry websites that I that I visit a lot is that these books are going to potentially be doing very well because libraries are interested in these books. And that is a big market that any comic book publisher would love to get. I mean, like I can go to my local library and I know for a fact that I can find trade paperbacks of different, you know, of variety, but the vast majority of the trade paperbacks that they have that you can take out of the library are those all ages books. Those ones that are like based off of the animated series and, you know, all of the various tie-in comics that they've had over the years that relate to the different animated television shows that are on TV. So that's the majority. Now, if they're creating content specifically for that market, you better believe that the libraries are going to buy that stuff and stock it in their things. And I could also, like you said, the Scholastic Book Fairs. That's another thing. Like, if you're not familiar with that, those are the traveling book fairs that set up in schools where the kids can buy a book themselves and then read it themselves. But it instead of having to go to a bookstore, the bookstore, not the bookstore, but a small version of a bookshop comes to the school and just sets up for a couple of days in order to entice children to buy books. 
I mean, I've got kids and my son, every time that book fair rolls around, I mean, he comes home and has a list of stuff he wants to get. And I tell him, no, I'm not spending money on that junk. I'll buy you you a new trade when we go to the comic shop. So that being said, so as far as other imprints, Young Animal is actually coming to an end. The only one that's supposed to be continuing on out of the Young Animal line, all of the Young Animal stuff is actually, I think, I believe it's all ending this month in August. I know Mother Panic's done. I believe the last issue of Cave Carson is coming out. So I know they're all wrapping up. They all just got six issues after they not rebooted, but like relaunched with number one, six months ago. So that one's ending doom patrol is the only one that's out of the young animal that is going to continue on. And I honestly believe the only reason that's happening right now is because they were, they got so far behind on the schedule that they already have issues written, probably half drawn and they're just not ready. They just haven't finished them. So when they do finish, they're going to release them. But that's why that's happening. But I think Young Animal kind of ended specifically because, well, I mean, it was I mean, it was called a pop-up for a reason. It's not meant to last forever, first of all. Second of all, I believe it was recently announced that Gerard Wade, who is the one who's behind Young Animal as one of the creators behind that, I believe he just it was just announced that he's going back and going to be doing more Umbrella Academy, which is what he's best known for, you know, within the comic world. So there's that outside of Young Animal. I know Brian Michael Bendis, when he was announced that he was coming to D.C., they said he was coming. He was going to have his own imprint and his imprint. Don't know if they're still sticking with the Jinx World imprint name. But that stuff is starting to happen because I believe Pearl Number 1 is out as you're listening to this. So there's that. Uh, there's other series. There's also the Sandman universe, which is technically they're considering a imprint as well because it's a group of books that are coming out that are based within the confines of the Sandman universe. There's another imprint, The Killing Zone, which is coming from Jeff Johns. That doesn't have any firm date of when that's happening but that's happening at some point in the future so i mean like the point is there's a lot of imprints and i think the thing is the idea of the imprints is that they're trying to like do these variety of different stories tell a story but not be confined to the main we got to come out with a monthly book we got to come out with something consistently forever i think that's what it comes down to i mean like if you if you go to a comic shop you'll notice that there is less DC books currently on stands. And I think because the number less than Marvel that is, but I think part of that has to do with these imprints are going to start filling in some of the holes. Like we were getting two issues of a lot of different series. They got trimmed down to one. Those extra issues that were coming out are going to start getting filled up by some of these imprint series. So hopefully that's, all the imprints in a nutshell. Now, if I forgot something, someone please remind me in the comment section and I'll bring it up on the next episode, but I'm pretty sure I covered everything that they've announced up to this point. All right. So the next comment and the last comment comes from Brent and this came through email. He said, hi guys and gal. Awesome job as always. I love the podcast. I've been listening for a long time now. One thing I love about your show that is that you guys make it feel like we're all friends who just want to chill and talk, even though we've never met. I have a few ideas for Monkey Watch. What about book, novel form, franchises, or video game franchises? That's if you are consumers of either of that type of media. Great job as always. Have a blessed week. 
Brent, I will say this. Thank you for those the kind comments. First of all, the monkey watch ideas. I can honestly tell you that uh, some of those, at least one of those, uh, of the two suggestions that you had are, is actually on the list of monkey watch topics that uh, we plan on doing in the future. So be looking forward to that. And that actually is going to bring us to monkey watch. <laughs> Monkey Watch this episode specifically because Josh is here. And if you didn't know, Josh is one of two people who attended San Diego Comic-Con on behalf of the Batman Universe. The other one was Don. Both are normal contributors to the website. You might also know Josh and Don from the Gotham Chronicle if you listen to that. Or the commentaries because they both do that show as well. But they both went to Comic-Con this year. In past years, Stella has attended with them as well. Years ago, I was there the same time they were there. I believe the first year you guys were there. And then you and then you, I and Apple did a year. uh, Oh yeah, yeah, together too. Yeah, so then, so we did two years together before you guys were by yourselves without me, unchaperoned, unaccompanied minors. Yeah. So basically, San Diego. When I started the website in 2008, I didn't go. I went to my very first comic convention that fall, which was a Wizard World in Dallas. And then the following year, I was like, well, let's see if we can go to San Diego. And my wife, who loves to travel, had no problem saying, sure, let's go to San Diego. So we went to San Diego in 2009. And I went in 2010 and 2011. And 2011 was the last year I went. I mean, that was because... I have a son and a work and all kinds of other stuff, but it became more difficult for me to attend just because of stuff having to do with work. But the whole point was I went for three years and I had fun, but Josh has been going since 2010. Yeah. Yeah. This was my ninth year. Yeah. Yeah. Don's been going since 2011. (laughs) Stella went from 2011 up until last year. So there's and maybe she'll lot. be back. You never know. Yeah, that's true. There's been a lot of stuff going on. There has been a lot of stuff. So Monkey Watch topic this episode is going to be, I mean, obviously Josh is going to have more to talk about here. But so out of the San Diego Comic Cons we have attended, what has been your favorite moments that you've experienced? And Josh, I'll let you say one first. Well, first, I'm going to immediately discount, you know, uh, the friendship fellowship moments, because obviously, you know, like just being able to experience everything with, um, you know, Stella Donovan and other people who have joined us over the years like Dustin, you know, and Apple and, uh, you know, various members of our supporting cast who have come in and out of our lives the last, you know, dozen years. Um, I'm going to keep it to strictly convention memories and not like, you know, uh, because otherwise it's every single thing I would have would be, oh, you know, staying up at night at the hotel and like watching bad cartoons and stuff like that. So hmm, there is so many to unpack uh, over nine Comic Cons. But I would say some of the funny ones are just the accidental stuff that has happened because um, I, I have an easier time getting into some of the press rooms now. Um, I used to have to kind of like fake my way in when security was like really bad. And there was one time where I was in ballroom 20 and no, it wasn't ballroom 20. It was the Indigo ballroom at the uh, Hilton. And I left the panel that like the Glee cast was at or something. And I tried to go to the bathroom and I swear this was by accident, but I took a wrong turn. And I wound up in the room, the basically the green room where like the Glee cast and all their assistants were hanging out And I had walked right in and then I realized 
nobody's kicking me out of here. So I decided to just like see what would happen and see how long I could kind of like hang out and like chat with them before someone's like, wait, wh- wh- who are you and why are you here? And that took about like 20 minutes when they were like being like taken to their limos. <laughs> like someone's like, wait, who are you? And I was like, oh, I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> so uh, I didn't I didn't get that far. But that, that was fun. One fun random San Diego memory. That would have been uh, 2012, 2013 ish. See, I don't have as many years of mm-hmm. times as you do, but there was a couple. So the very first Comic Con I went to, 2009. 2009, yeah. Yeah, when I went to that one, I got to say, it was a heck of a lot different than I know it is now because even though I'm not attending San Diego, I follow everything that's going on. I help you guys with scheduling stuff out and things like that. Things now compared to things. 10 years ago or nine years ago or whatever are completely different. Like let's put it this way. So in 2009, we were just this little website that had existed. The website itself hadn't even been around for a year at that point. The podcast had been around, but podcasts weren't something like they are now. And to get a press pass for the convention was actually super easy. You could almost get a press pass for whatever convention you wanted to. It was almost, it was super easy. I'll say that now it's, really difficult and now it's sometimes it feels like you've got to really claw at trying to get that press pass because they come up with all these weird restrictions for certain things last year or two years ago we didn't get a press pass for new york comic-con because i i couldn't even tell you they didn't give us a good excuse but but they gave me one this year and last year though apparently yeah i'm not talking about uh, not the year you went, the year before you went, because we tried yeah. to get one and it didn't work for some reason. And I don't know why it was, but it happened. And we never ran into that. Like, I've never had a problem getting a pass for C2E2 because I go every single year. I never had a problem. You know, we, we have had very few problems, I should say, when it comes to San Diego. Um, but a lot of that has been resolved in the last couple of years. Um, it just took a lot of years to get to the point where like they started making sure that they would notify you that you had a press pass before hotels would open up and things like that. Um, but in the very beginning, when the first one I went to, it was really cool that because there was a lot of at the time there, I had a contact at Warner Brothers Television who uh, let us get in for Young Justice. Or I guess Young Justice wasn't out yet. It was uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold, I know, was one of the first. Is this publicist initials GM? Uh, no, because it was television. It was uh, WS. And okay. I'm pretty sure you can figure it oh, out. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I know I know of who you speak. Yes, yes. Um, they're them, as well as uh, the DC movies, because they've been producing DC movies for a long time. And, you know, other special releases and things like that. And there was a special panel for, you know, there's been panels for video games and stuff like that. And I remember in the first year, the two press people that I knew, GM and WS, they both were great. And like the press rooms were well organized. It was easy to, you know, interview whoever they had. You had everybody had a chance. It wasn't like you know, okay, you're going to sit at this table and you're going to interview somebody with like six different people because it didn't used to be like that. And I know that, you know, there are people, there are websites and uh, podcasts out there who have been covering comic cons for way longer than we have. And they could probably attest to how even easier it was. And now just probably within the last like five, six years, 
Comic-Con has become such a humongous thing. And I'm not just talking about the whole age and the trailers and that kind of stuff, but like the amount of people who go just to go has become a completely different thing than it was 10 years ago. Meaning like if you pay attention to what's going on, like they've got all these exclusive parties and they have all this stuff that doesn't even happen at the convention itself. But then the stuff that does happen at the convention, like the press rooms are so much fuller than they were 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. It's insane. And it Um, gets scheduled later and later every year to the point of like anxiety, heart attacks. Like, yeah, it's insane. I remember. So in 2009, when I went, no problems whatsoever. In 2010, I decided I'm going to get a video camera. I'm going to see if I can do video interviews. And again, no problems. 2011, we went. And that's when it was nuts because we, the, that was like my first experience was like insane, insanity. In the beginning, this was also back in the time where like if you wanted internet in your hotel room, you had to pay for internet. It wasn't like free Wi-Fi like where it is almost everywhere now. Wi-Fi is everywhere. It used to be. Oh, you want you want you want uh, internet in your room? Okay, you got to pay twenty five dollars a night for internet just to be able to access it. And by the way, it's still going to suck and be super slow. And that was really horrible because actually trying to publish articles from the site or from the convention sucked horribly because it felt like I spent all night staying up just so that I could upload the files that I needed to do because we post all these pictures related to the merch and things like that. It was a pain in the butt, but. What was really interesting was on 2011, last year I went, there was a panel for Batman Arkham City. And, or maybe it was Asylum. Yeah, maybe it was Asylum. I think it was Asylum, Batman Arkham Asylum. And this was the first time Mark Hamill was going to be doing the Joker since the animated, or well, Batman Beyond. the I, few I, I think that, that. that uh, it, it would have been Arkham City or something because Arkham Asylum was already out. Because I, I remember... I do remember this year, yeah, because I had played Arkham Asylum and talked about it with you on the podcast when it was like the old crew, when it was like you and Nick and Apple. Okay, I can't remember. So this this must have been one of the sequels, like Arkham City. or Arkham City, which would have been one it was. I'm I'm trying to remember. Right, because Hamill was there. I'm I'm 90% sure it was Arkham City. Let's see, Arkham City released in 2011. Yeah, so it was Arkham City. So anyway, they had a panel or they had a special like press thing for Batman Arkham City. And I remember we had our reservation, you know, our our confirmation for it. No problem. We went in that room and it was a freaking madhouse. I had never seen so many people shoved in such a small room. And I'm talking like this room probably it was like a small little banquet room where you yeah, had like a bunch the, of tables. But the thing is, the tables took up so much space and there were so many people. And the reason why there were so many people was because Mark Hamill was there. Now, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know who Mark Ham- or I apologize, I guess not everybody knows who Mark Hamill is. But Mark Hamill is the voice of Joker for us in the Batman universe, but he also plays this character known as Luke Skywalker. You might've heard of this big, huge franchise called star Wars, but Mark Hamill is, is a big name person. And I don't know that he's, he was at a comic con up to that point. And I feel like it was his first con because, or his first San Diego comic con because they made such a big deal about it. And the people who are there, it was insanity. And I kept thinking, my God, there's way too many people in this room. And I remember talking to the the PR rep who organized it, and he had no clue it was going to be that nuts, had no understanding (laughs) that the room was going to be that small. 
which is not and i think and i honestly yeah he always like, does the upstairs rooms now because that that was like the indigo level which yep. was like really super small super small like he always holds the ones upstairs like let's now, put it in perspective for anybody who's trying to figure out what super small is so if you had a banquet table you could probably put like three four banquet tables and maybe fit like a max of like 25 people in a chair at these tables uh or not per table i should say like eight people per table so maybe like 32 max and obviously there's space along the walls and things like that but these tables were there and it took up a bunch of space and i just remember being completely pressed up against every single person who's in the room and there were so many news outlets that had videos and it was insane and then it got to the point where like if you wanted to interview because kevin conroy was there stana stana caddick I believe her name is. She was the one, the 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 female lead on Castle. She was the voice for Ty Al Ghul. She was there. We got an interview with Kevin Conroy and Mark Sp- Hamill too. Yeah, and we we we, 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 got, we got a promo from him. Yeah, we got a promo. Voice. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and I got Kevin Conroy's, and I called him Mark Hamill because I still had Mark Hamill on the brain. <laughs> and uh, we were sitting there, and I just remember like holding the camera like two feet from their face, and just saying like, "We're just going to do the interview here." Because if we don't, we're never going to get the interview because it's it is, this is insane. And I mean, it's only gotten crazier from there. I mean, I like I said, that was the last year I went, and it was in the last. And then part of the reason I stopped outside of the fact that it got more difficult because I had a son and had work and things like that was also trying to get as much done, like as far as getting articles published on the website and things like that. It became extremely difficult because you spend so much time like hustling from one press event to the next press event, to the next one, to a panel, to this, to that you have like no time. So the only time you have is at night when nothing's open except, you know, the parties and stuff and you go back to your hotel room and then you're spending the entire night. So it's, I mean, if you ever want to go to San Diego, I mean, like it's not really a vacation by any means. That's for sure. I mean, you, you are constantly moving and doing everything you possibly can, but it was in that. So that, that is one of my moments that I remember, like basically from the beginning of going there in 2009 having like, you know, five minutes with whoever you're interviewing every single time you're interviewing somebody, because these things aren't packed to in 2011, being in a room stuffed with like over a hundred people. I'm sure if the fire marshal showed up, we, you know, the hotel would have gotten in trouble because of how many people were in that room. Because there was no the way that was legal. Was able to get in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was no way it was legal how many people were in that room. But well, and that was. Um, it's a lot harder now to get multiple people from the same outlet in a room. Like, um, and I think that's part of it is because they realize that if you get more than one person from the outlet, I mean, you're running into a problem. But the other problem is like a lot of the outlets that ha- that actually do videos, you know, they have to have two people. In most situations. Well, you can request video line or print round table, but like they say that like you have a better shot of getting in the room if you request print round table because they turn down a lot of people for video line, which is where like you kind of stand like it's the red carpet and you ask like a few questions and then they they move on to the next person. Whereas the round tables, it's basically it's like speed dating. But there's like, you know, eight of you at the table, like, you know, asking Kevin Conroy a question before goes on to the next one. and. Yeah, like the Arkham one, Dustin was there and I was there and Stella was there and um, Don was there and uh, John Wilson would have come too, but he like, he misunderstood. He like, 
he was like, let me know when you guys are going to go see Mark Hamill. I want to go to that thing. And like, we told him when, but he misunderstood. And then like, when he realized later, Oh, that's what the Mark Hamill thing was. Oh, dang. But like, you were able to get all of us in there. Uh, and, and GM is very good about letting us take multiple people in. Most of the other people now, they will only say like one per outlet. And sometimes I'm able to like sneak Dawn in there or something, you know, like with me or like we're able to work it out or say, oh, well, this person is going to take B-roll video. When I was taking uh, Ben, which is the child like with me because he was like, so you know a kid no one would like second guess me bringing him in but i like was like telling him like you have to like not bring any attention to yourself because if they start questioning why i'm bringing multiple people into this room like you know we're in trouble we gave him like a little uh lawn chair from stella to like sit on so like they couldn't say that like we were taking up too many seats and stuff like that uh yeah it's and i was outside of the flash press room last year and, like, they have more security at these things now. Because there was years where we could just, like, walk into any old press room if we know where it is. And they wouldn't check you in or anything. Tom Cavanaugh, who plays, like, nine different versions of Harrison Wells on that show. Like, his agent was trying to get into the Flash press room. And they were not letting her in. Like, she's like, she says, I'm on the list. And this, like, bouncer guy says, no, you're not. And she says, yes, I am. I'm Tom Cavanaugh's agent. And the bouncer's like, no, you're not. And they, like, had to, like, check everything. And then, like, they eventually let her in. And she was, like, clearly annoyed. And I was like, wow. And they had, like, Secret Service people outside of, like, the Doctor Who press room last year. It's, uh, they've beefed up their security a lot. And I have a lot of stories of those first few years of me, like, sneaking in the things I wasn't supposed to. And, like, getting close to movie stars that I never should have gotten close to. Which, like, I would not be able to do now. I would get, like, because they've really really stepped up their security game and the interviews have gotten like dc has a tighter leash on their interviews now because like now ever since like around 2011 2012 ish like if if you want to interview you know like like let's say like five or six years ago or before 2011 if dustin wins there and he wants to talk about his book with you and you want to talk to him you guys just talk you know, and if DCPR can help you set it up, but if you guys do it independently, then great. Yeah. But now, like, DC wants to set up the interviews and, like, they want to, you know, which, you know, it, the, I'm not saying DC's evil for doing this. Like, they're, it, it, they're a publicity, they have a publicity department who has a job to do. But, like, if we try and set up an interview with a writer outside of DC, we can get in trouble and that writer can get in trouble. And, they want to, you know, hear the interview before we post it to them, make sure that, like, there's no spoilers or nothing yeah. bad. Like, And let's be clear. Josh is not just talking about at Comic-Con. This has happened multiple times with us in other forms absolutely. of interviews. We've actually been I, – I personally have been contacted by writers who want to talk to us about their books, and we can't because it's not going through dc and we have tried to go the route of going you know not through dc and we we got in trouble not in trouble but like it screws you out of other opportunities in the future and that's the problem so like yeah now it just comes down to if you want to do anything you got to do it through dc because they're the ones who have to organize it and they are sticklers about making sure that whatever is being talked about is their interpretation of what they want to be talked about yeah, like um, I did an interview with a DC writer last year, and I'm not going to say who it was, but I mean, 
if people look through the archives, they can do their homework and figure out who it is. And the PR contact at DC had me cut out a, a big part of the interview where like the writer basically revealed that they were doing this book because DC legally promised them that like they could legally do a book on this character. And uh, DC said, yeah, maybe you can uh, edit that part out. Um, it, it's up to you. It's like they made it clear that it was up to me, but it was like it's like when your mom says, you know, I'm counting on you to make the right choice instead of me telling you what to do. Yeah. And if you're so, really interested in what book that was, I'll, I'll give you a real easy hint. It started in May of 2016 and just wrapped up this June. It, it was not May 2016. 2017. 2017. Yeah, yeah. 2017. 2017. 2017. Yeah, it just wrapped up this past June, I believe. So it's yeah. uh, not hard to go find that book, but you can figure that out. It's, it's easy to figure out. But, uh, you know, yes, but, uh, it's, it's gotten extremely more difficult to do things. I mean, like the other part of it is like it used to be the main, you know, I'd say like content that we would get out of the conventions was the interviews. And now the other problem with the interviews is that. The, the 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 people who you're interviewing, they get asked the question. They get asked the same question so many times that every news outlet out there is reporting the exact same thing. So it's you got to come up with a question that one isn't going to be you know asking them to reveal spoilers because let's be honest, they know they're not. You know you're not. They know they're not supposed to be doing that, so they're not going to answer that question or they're going to give you like some sarcastic response. And then you just wasted your time, but you got to come up with something that is worth being there for an interview. And that's part of the problem. I mean, like <laughs> you look at our interviews from like years ago, it's just like having a conversation with somebody and like, Hey, let's talk about this because there's, they're not talking about that stuff with every single person. You know, there's, I mean, there's way more news outlets than there was. I mean, when it comes to like comics and the fandom world of everything, there's way more outlets out there now that cover the stuff than there was 10 years ago. So it is a big, humongous difference when you're trying to get like just a sound bite that is just that much different than somebody else's. That actually is something that's just not the same as everybody else's. And that's the other problem with interviews because there's so many outlets interviewing these people you don't get that much different than somebody else unless you get creative like josh and get really creative and, and just try to get reactions of certain things yeah like sometimes it's you know i'll, I'll do things for little puff piece articles like i didn't do that well I, I didn't do this in san diego this year but like you know last year when um after war of jokes and riddles when uh Batman and Catwoman, you know, officially got engaged after a few months at the pro. So I had like Davi Mazows and um, Cameron Bikinova, who play Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle on Gotham, like hold up the book and like react to the engagement. I figured that would be like a good, for lack of a better word, like, you know, clickbait, you know, article and Bleeding Cool shared it and stuff like that, which, which is weird because sometimes we will do like these in-depth interviews and stuff like that. But the stuff that like winds up getting a lot of hits or you know, and getting shared or not the things that we think that we think will, you know, and, and, and that's sometimes fun. And my San Diego experience is a lot different now than when I first started, because I used to go to a lot more of the panels and now I do less panels and I do more press rooms, like, because I've, I've basically learned the way that the game goes now. And I would rather go to the press room and like, you know, and kind of sit at a table, like a few inches away from like the star of, this show or this movie 
and be able to ask them a question personally rather than sitting in the back room of a panel and hearing them give the presentation that everyone is seeing on YouTube. And, you know, when you're on the press distribution list, you get these emails telling you, you know, like when these things are going to be. But I found, but there's some that you don't just get cold invites to. You have to seek them out. Fi- you have to seek them out. And I've discovered a lot more in the last few years how to do that. And you get ghosted by a lot of publicity people. So you have to like figure out what to do when you get ghosted. Um, I've made friends with other reporters at San Diego and they've like helped me saying, you know, like, oh, it's at this room at this time, you know, like show up and ask to be waitlisted. Um, there's <laughs> there's different things to try. Um, San Diego uh, memory. Um, one that Don likes to tell is we were at, you know, we talked about the whole speed dating process in these roundtables. They usually give you someone for a few minutes. They left Adam West at our table for like 20 minutes and forgot about him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so Don and I got to talk to Adam West for like a really long time one year, you know, and that was a very special memory. I- I'm, tr- I'm trying to think that there's just like nine years worth. Like, so it's like where to begin um, every year. And then sometimes it's just like the funny stuff. This was actually like a really annoying memory, but it's fun to look back and make fun of, which is this year and the podcast for it, you know, will be out, you know, shortly, depending on, you know, when this is published and when that is published. Don and I and um, a friend of ours, Jeffrey Taylor, were in the press room for Death of Superman. And we're at these, like, you know, speed dating roundtables. And uh, different cast members and producers are going over. And everyone's asking questions. And this one guy at the table keeps on asking them, like, if you can make any cell phone app, what cell phone app would you make? <coughs> And, like, the actors are, like, answering the question, like, oh, this one, I guess. And, like, by the fifth time he asked that question to, like, someone involved in the movie, like, we didn't say anything, but we were, like, giving each other looks, like, the heck is up with this guy? And, like... He's looking for his unique soundbite. Well, he... This guy can, like, see us eyeballing each other, and he looks at us and and interrupts Rebecca Romaine and Jerry O'Connell's, like, answer and say, excuse me, I don't appreciate the looks you guys are giving me. <laughs> I work for a technology magazine, and that is why I'm asking these questions. And why like, are you there? <laughs> and like, it, it, it was a it was an awkward moment, and it was annoying, but it was also like really funny. Like, I love cell phone guy, like just because of like that story. And you get these wacky people at these press tables once like, oh, I I have another press table story after this one which is before I forget too, but god that cuz there's a set of rules at these press tables which is like you don't interrupt the actor to like yell at the other reporters at the table. Like if you show up in the middle, like it's kind of like unspoken rules. Like, you know, you don't interrupt if you show up late, you quietly find a seat and you don't announce, hey, sorry, I'm late, which some guy did at New York Comic Con. And there's people who don't follow that rules. But one Comic Con story is sometimes I get invited to certain things that don't have anything to do with Batman. But, like, I'll show up because, like, you know, uh, oh, this looks like fun. And one of them was, like, Gene Simmons and, like, Kiss meet Scooby-Doo. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, when I check in, I say I'm with the Batman universe, but like, you know, they don't say, why the heck are you here? They're just like, okay, cool, sit down with everyone else. And I'm at this table with this a bunch of reporters, and Gene Simmons sits down, and there's an African American, like, older female reporter who's kind of like with us. 
And Gene Simmons, towards the interview, just, like, lays into her. He's like, you're not a real comic fan because you're a woman, you know? Like, everyone knows that women don't read comic books. Why are you even here, you know? And then he, like, looks at her and says, Beyonce! And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) And then, uh, oh, Kevin Smith was there, too, for some reason. Maybe he had something to do with this movie. Because, like, uh, the guy who I was sitting next to worked for Bleeding Cool. His name was Will. And he was dressed up as the Batman of Zurin R. And, like, Kevin Smith, like, took a picture with him, like, real quickly. But, like, this Bleeding Cool guy, Will and me, every time we bump into each other at, like, a convention, we're like, yeah, I remember when we met and Gene Simmons just laid into that woman and he's like quizzing her. He's like, if you're a real comic fan, what was the last issue of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that Nick Steranko drew? I bet you you don't know that, do you? And like, he was just like viciously mean to this woman. It was really weird. All right. So San Diego has been a very unique time. And uh, what a better time than after this latest San Diego to talk about it. So. That is Monkey Watch this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed. Uh, obviously, uh, this conversation would not have worked if Josh wasn't here because Josh has been going for so many years on behalf of TBU. So hope you guys enjoyed it. With that, I'm gonna before I actually close out the episode, I want to tell everybody about something new that we've actually launched a couple weeks back, but I forgot to mention on the last episode because I'm an idiot and forgot to talk about it. But... TBU has a Discord. Now, if you don't know what a Discord is, it's basically like a chat room, like an online chat room where you can talk with other Bat fans about all kinds of Batman-related things. Um, We have a link on the Facebook page, the YouTube page, and the tw- on Twitter, it's actually the pinned tweet. So if you go to our, our thing, I'm also going to put a link in the sidebar over on the website, if it's not there when you're listening to this, I will remember to do it within the next two weeks, I promise. And there will be a link there for you actually to click so you can talk to us on Discord. But basically, it's a way for fans to interact with the staff, all the people who write the reviews and the news and, the, and all the podcasts and stuff like that. We are on the Discord, and there's literally conversations going on all the time. And there's different topics uh, imagine like a chat room having a baby with an uh, online forum. <laughs> and that's basically what Discord is. So it, it's extremely simple to get involved in it. You literally just have to have an email. And once you have an email, you sign up. And I don't even know that you have to confirm your email. In order, I mean, don't, don't quote me on that. You probably do. But I know that I signed up and it was super easy, super quick. And once you're there, you're in the room and you can see who's online. And obviously, you'll be able to figure out just by talking with people who certain people are. But the point is, if you are interested in talking with us, that is the place to go. Now, the idea behind this is years ago, if you've been listening to the Comic Cast and the other podcasts we have offered, from the very beginning, 10 years ago, when we launched the website, we actually had an uh, online forum. And at the time when we launched it, it was extremely, there's a lot of people who were using it. It was an enjoyable conversations with a lot of Batman fans, you know, new Batman comics would come out. The best time to talk about them is when they come out, not necessarily two weeks after they come out, like we do here on the comic cast. And so the idea is that the forums was great. Unfortunately, in 2011, we had this giant issue where our website was hacked and it got hacked through our online forum software. And because of that, we had no choice but to get rid of the online forum. And I thought that was a downfall because the forums were always really lively. We always had lots of people commenting and talking and stuff. And I enjoyed them a lot. 
And for years, I've been trying to figure out how to go about doing it. And for years, forums kind of seem to be going the way of gone. There's not very, very many websites that still have forums. I know Reddit, in the wake of forums dying down, Reddit became much more popular. But Facebook comment sections, too. Yeah. Facebook comment sections, uh, tweets on Twitter. I mean, like comment sections in general all over the place were blowing up. We added comment sections to the website in 2014. But to be quite honest, we don't get a lot of comments on a variety of different articles. We love more comments and articles, but the reality is it seems like you kind of have to have a comment section when you launch the site in order to build that community, kind of like what we had with the forums but that was the comment section of that decade. So the comment section, I mean, we obviously use it on the podcast. We get comments every episode, but there isn't really a place to like interact on a normal basis. And I found out about Discord literally just by watching some other YouTube videos and hearing people talk about it. I was like, what is this that everybody keeps talking about? And then over on the site, one of our staff, Adele, he actually – uh, you know, was the one who came to me and was like, Hey, what if we did this? And I said, you know what? I've been looking in this. I, I don't understand how it works. If you do, let's do it. And we launched it. I tweeted about it. I put it on Facebook and, and I, I'm putting links all over the place, but it really works best when there's more and more people to interact with. So if you are so inclined to talk with the staff or other bat fans about these comics day, they release, that is the place to go. So if you are listening to this, just head over to, for sure, you can go to the Twitter at Batman Universe and the pinned tweet at the top actually has the link to the Discord. You do, That's the invitation. You just click on it and you are automatically invited into the TBU server and then you can interact with all of us. Uh, honestly, I think this is like 85% of the staff and the podcast hosts are actually on the Discord server at various times. So the more the people that join, the more people we have to interact with. So head over to that and check it out. So in addition to that, you can check out the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Be sure to listen to all the other podcasts we have to offer. There's new episodes of all all kinds of different shows. Just check out the site for all the latest stuff. Uh, in addition to that, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. Leave us reviews in iTunes, but Quite honestly, I just prefer if you leave comments on the comments section uh, for the podcast, we have things to talk about. If you absolutely hate us and you don't ever want to listen to another episode, leave us a comment anyway and tell us off and say, we don't want to hear you, why you don't want to hear us or what we're doing wrong. Or, or I, just like give those. us a sarcastic review like, oh, this was the best podcast ever. Five stars. Yeah. Not on iTunes, though. I, don't, I, I, I'm, I, I really don't like going to iTunes and finding somebody who really hates the epi- or the episodes but if they give us five sarcastic stars though that's it won't affect our ratings i think we've got like three reviews on itunes over the past six months and all of them are complaining about how we're negative and they can't stand this and they can't stand that it's like okay if you know honestly if all all you can do is you can take the time to leave a negative review I guess uh, you've got too much time on your hands and maybe you just found stumbled across our show by accident. I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> I've been listening for five years and I hate every episode. Yeah, but I'm still listening. Yeah, but I'm still listening. <laughs> All right. So with that, that is they everything. Listen to us. <laughs> yeah. 
that's everything for this episode. Like I said, be sure to do all those things. Join the Discord, interact. I'm I'm personally on there too. I'm normally logged on during the day and I do respond to comments. So if you have a question or something like that, feel free to interact. I'm Bearded Bat Chief over on Discord, so also on Twitter. Uh-huh. So there's that. With that, that's everything. This is Dustin. This is Josh. You have been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in three weeks. Not two, three weeks. 